The lesson comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 8. I want you to listen for the Word of God. Beginning at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God of our lives, be with us in this time as we consider your holy word. Be with us as we seek to be formed by you. Be with us that the meditation that I I speak and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Matthew ends his gospel with what is now called the Great Commission, the great sending of the disciples and, by extension, the sending of anyone who would claim to be a follower of Christ. Go, Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus has risen from the dead, appeared to his presumably still shocked, even though it was predicted, disciples, and given them this one thing to do, this one very large thing to do. Of all the words Jesus might have spoken, of all the commands he might have given, this is the one he shares. Go. Go everywhere and make me some disciples. Make everyone a disciple everywhere. This is Matthew's ending uh, to his gospel, and I have always had a, held a more romantic sense of this scripture, taking it in as beautiful, as hyperbolic, let it sit as this great and beautiful ending to a gospel been inspired by it, if not always sure what to do with it, but I do my little part. Some days it seems hard enough to just do that with my own children, let alone with a church or, I don't know, the whole entire world. Now that I think about it, it does not seem beautiful or inspiring. It seems intimidating. How many of us actually have a sense of what it means for this to be a part or the call that Jesus has extended to us. We, disciples, go and make disciples of all the world. How many of us feel equipped to go out into the world making disciples? We're in good company. 
Consider the eleven disciples standing there. Matthew says that when they saw Jesus, the risen Jesus, they worshipped and they still doubted. They were a ragged bunch. They had just lived through the death of their beloved leader, the man that they had left their entire lives in order that they could follow him. And Matthew makes sure that we know it's eleven that come to Jesus, not twelve. Reminding us that there had been a betrayal, a great betrayal, a betrayer in their midst. Their number is marked by brokenness. There is a sense in this group that something is missing, that they are not quite whole. Biblical scholar Francis Taylor Gensch says that these disciples are elevenish. They were incomplete marked by the scar of Judas' betrayal. Yes, they they still worship and they dare to hope to meet the risen Jesus along the way, but they still doubt and they still fear. They are somehow incomplete. And as they moved down that road toward Jesus, where Jesus, they were told Jesus would meet them, I imagine they wondered how their story would end now. Even as they walked, Matthew tells us in the passage just before ours for today that another story had emerged. The story that Jesus' friends had somehow stolen his body from the tomb and then created this rumor about him being raised from the dead. A much more, frankly, believable story. And as I was considering this text for today, I started to wonder if as those 11 were walking, they were wondering if, in fact, one of their friends had done that. If one of the other disciples was capable of pulling off such a feat, were they fooling themselves? Then they saw him. They saw the risen Christ. And again, they they worshipped and they doubted. And they listened to this big audacious idea, this charge that that they, the elevenish disciples, would be the ones to carry the story of the risen Christ to the whole entire world. And so we stand like the eleven. Jesus has given them this charge, and Matthew leaves us at the end of his gospel with it as well. In a sense, We stand as the eleven, or perhaps we are called to be that twelfth disciple. And as we are called to be that twelfth disciple, we are called to make disciples. Which begs the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? What did Jesus mean, make one, make them, make disciples? The Greek word, this is like super nerdy, um, the Greek, don't worry, I read it somewhere else. The Greek word for disciple derives from the Latin word, which means a learner. The word for disciple, Mathedes, the Greek word, was originally used among the Greeks, Greeks to describe one who learns, who is in a state of learning. But over time, it began to, began to be defined as an adherent, someone who checks off the boxes and follows a certain person or a, a, a school of thought, etc., etc. For me, 
there's a big distinction between these two understandings of what it means to be a disciple. One appears to be more fluid. A, a learner is someone who actively engages in the, in the act of learning, which seems to imply a continued openness to change and growth. On the other hand, an adherent is a more static term, a noun term. It's more of a label. And I would argue that both definitions are essential to Jesus' commands because the literal translation of the command to his disciples is not go, therefore, and make disciples. It is go, therefore, disciple all nations. Disciple is not a noun in the Greek. It is a verb. And incidentally, it is the only imperative verb that happens in this particular passage. Go is not used in the imperative form. Disciple. Disciple, Jesus commands. It is the only command. Jesus tells them, these disciples, these adherents, these learners, go, therefore, make learners of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Make learners, just as you have been learners, just as you are learning. Now, perhaps this seems an exercise in semantics to you, which we like our exercises in semantics, believe me. If you go to Tuesday worship uh, prep, there's a lot of semantic uh, <laughs> exercises in there. And that would be understandable, but for, uh, for me, this is not just an exercise in semantics. It is central to my understanding of my particular call here and what I believe is our call as disciples and how I see Westminster moving into the future. Being a disciple is not simply or only about coming to worship on Sundays, though coming to worship on Sundays is surely important and grounded in learning. Being a disciple, being a learner, is about engaging the promise of God with our whole selves. In the Presbyterian Church, there's something that gets repeated over and over again. We are the church reformed, always reforming is the expression. This was a, an expression that came up for me as I was considering what does education mean to me here? What does it mean to be that I might become the associate pastor for Christian formation? To be the church reformed, always reforming. That expression is not about coming up constantly with new things or new programs or a new way of understanding. It's, in fact, a, a continual call to move back and remember that Jesus Christ is the center of what we do and remember that he has placed a call upon us, which I would argue this morning and am arguing is to be continual learners and teachers for Christ. Reformed and always reforming, always reforming ourselves in light of the good news of the gospel. That is what we do, not just in worship, but in education and in mission and, yes, even fellowship. This week, uh, one of you invited me to the Washington 
<coughs> Washington Area Women's Foundation luncheon, and uh, there were 950 people gathered in a room. It was very fancy, and um, so ex- inspiring to hear the work that is being done to support women, especially impoverished women across the D.C. area. And in one particular section of the program, there were three people on a panel, uh, I believe a doctor, two very professional people, and one young woman who was enrolled in one of these programs. This woman came from a background of poverty, was blinded at 16, and sat there before all of us, this young woman, and said that what she has learned is that if you don't keep learning, you stop. And you get stuck where you are. This is truth. This is sight. This is the truth about how we are called to be disciples and what we are to do here. If we are not committed to constant learning and growth, then we will stand still. Then we and our faith will stagnate. It will atrophy. Jesus told us to go and be learners and to make learners. Now, I requested that if if I was uh, overseeing the umbrella of Christian education, that it be called formation because formation involves the whole self. But not just that, because formation, to me, involves not just a handing down of prescribed learnings, not just a receiving of education, but a participation in it. Tom Long, who is a preacher of preachers, of preaching, wrote a book about testimony, about talking ourselves into being, talking ourselves into the faith. And one of the reasons that I do the kinds of educational programs that I do is that I want to give as many of you as I can the opportunity to speak yourselves into faith, to have the opportunity, once you have received learning, to then try to articulate what it is that you believe. How can we know what we believe unless we try to do just that, to articulate for ourselves how what we believe stands together with the teachings of our tradition, the stories from our scripture. One of the best places that we do that is in our educational programs. Being a learner means beginning to understand how to speak and to give it to others. I'm a daughter of a physician, and early on I learned the phrase, when you're training to be a surgeon, you see one, do one, teach one. You hear, you learn through that hearing, then you try it out for yourself. There's always somebody there in case any of you are having surgery soon, don't worry. Um, and And then you teach it to somebody else. You teach it to a resident that's coming up after you. All of those are parts of the learning process. Here, we, we hear, we learn through hearing, and then, and then we try out the words on for ourselves when we speak our collective prayers or when we pray to ourselves. And then we go, and then we're called to go and tell the good news and to make disciples, to make learners. We speak ourselves into being. We speak ourselves into faith. 
Some of you have asked me what my vision, if I have any big plans for education, for formation, and the answer has been no. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to articulate that a little bit better than that. Uh, but the reality is that there's not one thing that changes how we do education in this church, or, and I don't feel a specific need to change the way that we do education. But just in case I sat down with a, a good friend the other day, a person whom I deeply respect and has a lot of wisdom around Christian education, and I asked her what she would say, um, and she offered this. Remind them that Christian education in 100 years will look different than it did today, does today, just as today looks different than it did 100 years ago, but that we don't know exactly where we will end up. And then she told me that when she works with educators or pastors or committees for education, she asks them to identify one goal, one thing that they want to judge all other things against. For me, this is the Great Commission. Are we being learners and are we making learners? This is the one thing. If we, in all of our education formation programs, in all of our worship and our mission and our fellowship, are focused on that central command, that we continually be opened up to learning not just about, but from Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we are committed to then speaking that faith out loud and handing it down to others. Then that's a pretty darn good vision to have. May it be so. Amen.